May 28th for Limitless Love, the depth of love we owe. Owe no man a thing but to love one another, for he that loveth another has fulfilled the law. Romans 13, 8. Because God had loved us, we owe love to every person we meet. We owe them kindness and gentleness. We owe it to them to treat them with dignity and respect as valuable to God and to his plan in the earth. Sadly enough, we don't always do that. At times, people act like the Christians mentioned in James 2 and give better treatment to people who wear fine clothes and expensive jewelry. Then they give to those who don't have much wealth or social stature. They violate the law, a love of love, and fail to give others what they are owed. As a result, they're often robbed of the blessings and favor of God. One might pray diligent for God to help them in a situation, standing on the word and confessing we walk in the favor of God. But carnal actions and unloving ways will thwart the answer to our prayers. We'll reverse that favor before we receive it. A friend of mine told me about a time he and his wife were stranded in an airport with a multitude of other people. While they were waiting in line to be booked to another flight, they prayed and agreed for God's help and favor. From the looks of the man behind the ticket counter, they knew they needed it. His eyes were bloodshot. His hair was sticking out in every direction. He was irritable and tired. When the lady standing in front of them was rude to him, he just shrugged his shoulders and said, All the flights were booked. He, he didn't do anything to help. When my friend and his wife got to the counter, however, they were kind. They didn't put any pressure on the man. On the contrary, they tried to minister peace to him, treating him with consideration and respect. We realize you're busy, they said. We can see this is a madhouse and you have a lot of problems on your hands. But this is our situation. Can you do anything for us? Amazingly enough, the ticket agent stepped around the corner and said, Follow me. He took my friends to another area, booked them first-class seats, and shook their hands. He even acknowledged that he could have helped the lady ahead of them, but because of how she acted, he didn't do it. That's a, a good example of what can happen when you pay the debt of love you owe. It can open the way for God to get where you're going. When others find themselves standing by strife, your faith, working by love, will not only keep you flying, it will secure you a first-class teak. <laughs> Beautiful, wonderful. We enjoy these kinds of talks. And for love and tolerance and letting people, diffusing and being kind to others. Amen. Eating crow, people. Eat the crow and smile. Drink coffee. And and sip the water. Two, three sips. And don't gulp it down as it goes through your body and electrifies your whole body with a little salt. Himalayan. All right, here we go. May 29th. Who's getting close to you? Our scripture for this reading is Matthew 19, 13 to 14 from the New International Version. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. 
But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Matthew 19, 13, 14. Jesus said, Let the children come to me and do not bother them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to these children. People always wanted to be around Jesus. His disciples loved to be with him. Sinners wanted to be with him. Even little children wanted to be near him. That proves he wasn't just loving and kind when he was preaching. He was loving all the time. If we're going to be his followers, we ought to be that way too. We shouldn't be gentle and kind in church on Sunday and then go to the mechanic shop on Monday and chew the guy out for being late with our car. We shouldn't be talking fate out of one side of our mouths and then putting pressure on people with the other. Some Christians do that. When they're around other believers, they'll say they trust the Lord to bring them through. But when they step out into the world and begin dealing with other people, they're the loudest, pushiest, most demanding folks you've ever seen. What's worse is they do it in the name of being bold. They'll yell at someone who isn't giving them the service they want or getting the, them the results they think they deserve. Then they justify it by saying, well, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. That's not what the Bible says. Luke 6.31 says, we should do to others as we would have them do to us. And Galatians 5.6 says, fate works by love. When we start putting pressure on people in unloving ways, our fate shrivels up and, and quits working. We're no longer looking to God or depending on him. We're putting our dependence on flesh. Some people even excuse unloving behavior by saying, it's just that strong anointing that makes me act that way. <laughs> no, being pushy isn't from being anointed. It's just rude. And when we act that way, people won't want to be around us. Other believers won't want to be around us. Sinners won't want to be around us. Even God won't want to be around us. Ooh. I know because early in my Christian life, the Lord told me that even though he loved me, he didn't enjoy being around me. My harshness and my quick temper grieved him. So, if you want to check up on your love walk, look around. Are others drawn to you or do they steer away? Are they frightened and intimidated or they feel safe and secure in your presence? One thing is sure, if you are truly working in the love of Jesus, people will want to be closer to you. Amen. May 30th. Keep yourself from getting callous. Jude 20, 21 says, But you, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Jude twenty twenty one. Interesting. Um, I was just thinking, I was reading the last one, how hard it is for me to let people close to me. You know, it takes courage and letting go. Or actually, you know, you 
I was taught fear. I was taught, you know, clam up. I remember this lady used to tell me in a Bible study, share, Fernando, share. She would always tell me, but wow, I don't share enough. And then the Bible says, he who shares too much is a dummy. <laughs> so where's the balance? But opening up our hearts to people with, with expressions of, of joy and, and that you're, you're okay in you and you don't have any judgment. I remember particularly being at this one meeting in AA and I, I seemed to have a harsh look. And we were all getting ready, and it was in Turlock. And this beautiful lady came in with black, long hair, you know, in, the, in her 30s and stuff, and sat opposite, well, to the couch, way opposite to me. But I noticed as soon as she sat down and saw my face, she started fidgeting. You know, she started looking to the right and to the left, and like she was not, and I've seen this before. And until I said, Hi, good morning. I'm Fernando. I'm traveling. It's very nice for me to be here in this uh, AA fellowship. I'm enjoying myself. I'm visiting the grandkids. And uh, life is good. God is treating me good. I'm not, you know, looking for trouble. And trouble doesn't look for me. Something in that nature. And then I saw her relax and then be herself. But then I realized that her dad or whatever or her parents must have been judgmental to her as a little girl, frantically not letting her be herself or have mistakes in her own life and grow from them. And for us to be, as parents, to be examples of, you know, letting go and letting God and moving forward, forgiving self, forgiving others and moving forward. It's part of life, folks. All right, I hope I convey the message to you as good as I can. It's easy, does it? No big deals. Life goes on. Clap your hands, shout and pray, and give thanks to God. You know, responsibility, um, reading, commitment, diligence, and tolerance. Love and tolerance is our code in AA. So beautiful. All right, here we go. Back to the reading to May 30th. Limitless love. Got to start all over again, Fernando. All right, now, Kenny Copeland says, keep yourself from getting callous. Beautiful. Jude 2021. But you, loved ones, build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourself in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Amen. A couple of things here is we qualify for his mercy only. We don't have justice to try to, uh, because Jesus said, it is finished. Everything is done. So we give mercy to other people that are off, that, that we don't look eye to eye with, apparently. And... Uh, and the other way to keep ourselves in love is through a lot of reading and praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping ourselves in the love. What's praying in the Holy Ghost? If you don't pray in the Holy Ghost, try praying or talking like an Indian. Like if you're in 
Indian scout and you're talking to the uh, Calvary and you're telling them, I don't know how, how it works, but apparently the love of God starts to stream in and, and because it sounds so ridiculous to our subconscious mind that we, we let our guard down and let the Spirit of God come into us. I don't know. That's what it says right here. Building up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keeping yourself in the love of God. Yes, it could be singing and praising God and singing songs unto the Lord and rejoicing in Him and praying to God. You know, that's included here too. All right, let's start over again. Jude 20, 21. But you, beloved, building up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy with your binoculars of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Jude 20, 21. Let's focus, folks. Focus for eternal life. That's reading the night before, praying for the next day, giving a good heart prayer for the next 24 hours that the Lord God will will be magnified standing right next to us. Amen? Keep yourself in the love of God. That's a vital instruction for us believers. When we are first born again, we have a fresh revelation of love. We're acutely aware that God loves us enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for us. His forgiveness and His compassion towards us are foremost in our minds. That's why as new Christians, we are usually very sensitive and tender-hearted. Even though we haven't had much training, we immediately want to share the love we receive from the Lord. We're literally looking for someone to love. Instead of keeping ourselves in that love, however, we often let it slip away. Every morning when we awake up, our flesh is there and with some help from the devil, is pushing us to be selfish. Every time we give in to that selfishness, we have to override the love of God inside of us. We have to push it down and desynthesize ourselves to it. If we keep doing that, eventually we'll lose the kind of love we first had. By faith, we know it's still inside of us because the Bible says if we're born again, will love the brethren, 1 John 3.14. But we can't sense it anymore. Our friend of mine, one friend of mine, compares it to the natural process of getting callous on your hands. It tells of a time when he went into a ministry where he worked on unloading a dock, lifting heavy boxes all day long. The men he worked with there had been loading boxes for so long their hands were completely callous. They could actually take a pocket knife and make cuts in their collars without feeling it because their skin was so thick and insensitive. After a while, my friend's hands became callous too. They stayed that way the whole time he worked at the loading dock. But when he stops, the calluses wore away. That's a wonderful picture of what can happen if we just stop doing the things that have made our hearts insensitive. 
Even if we lost the spiritual passion we had when we were first born again, we can rediscover it by laying down selfishness and beginning to act again in love. As we do, our hearts will grow tender once more and we'll find ourselves easily moved by the love of the Lord and the needs of others. Once we shed those spiritual calluses, we'll have a fresh sense of joy. We'll have a sensitive and spiritual vitality that will never again fade away if we will keep ourselves in the love of God. Amen. Beautiful. I used to work for Foster Farms as a 16-year-old. I was 16 years old. I had left home, and I went to work at Foster Farms. I told them I was 18, and they and uh, this baby, fat, little kid, pungy face, they said, okay, well, let's see if this kid can, can handle coming in at midnight, putting on overalls and a, a apron, and gloves and hanging chickens upside down in the cold it was actually the fog used to come in they didn't have front doors the trucks would come in and we would pull the chickens out of those cages you saw those chicken cages going down the road and all the all the feathers flying off well i got a little bit serious about driving truck i used to sit in the trucks there that came in and out and I got to move start moving them in and out I wanted I became an assistant foreman and and lo and behold later I transferred over to pick putting chickens in those cages because uh, they paid more and they had more hours and I went over there and there was a bunch of vans where they put the people in and they take them out to the ranches and the ranches they had about 30 to 35,000 chickens in there and you had to go pick them up by hand you could have used gloves because it would damage the uh you would hold them too too hard and you would damage the uh the drums so they wanted you with bare hands well i hit it so hard you know working so hard like i wouldn't my pride gave me working hard that i they came to see the new worker you had to pick up four chickens in each hand and then you have a mask on for the ammonia and the smells and the dust. And, um, and you take it to the truck, throw them in there. But by the third day, I couldn't raise my back and my hands were bleeding. They, they, after a while, my back got strong and my hands got a callus. And I made, I, you know, I got good at it, picking up four chickens in each hand and swiping them and throw them inside the cage and so forth and so on. But I did it, that midnight work till nine in the morning. I had nowhere to go. I couldn't go back home. Home, there was just too many of us in a, such a little room and we we're all adults now, over 16 on my own. All right, moving on ahead. Where did I leave off? Limitless love. May 31st. Be aware they are there. Love does not harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Romans 13.10, New International Version. Love does not harm, does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Who is your neighbor? 
Your neighbor is the person who is near to you at the moment. When you're standing in line at the ball game, your neighbor is the man standing in front of you whom you elbow out of the way to get a better seat. When you're waiting for a parking place at the grocery store, your neighbor is the person in the car who swerves around you and took the place you've been waiting for. The Bible says, Love does not no harm to those people. Love is considered of them. Love is sensitive to them. That sounds simple enough, but the fact is, before we can be considered of someone and sensitive to them, we have to be aware that they're there. We have to be spiritually alert enough to notice them. To do that, we have to get our minds renewed because our culture has trained us to be self-centered. We don't even see each other. It's amazing. People will notice things before they'll notice other people. They'll admire an expensive car and never even see the person driving it. They'll appreciate buildings, clothes, and jewelry and ignore the people in them as they are totally insignificant. But when we fall into that, we're being deceived. People are far more important than things. Never use people to get things. Use things to bless and show God's love to people. The only way we can be sure not to do any harm to our neighbors is to value people enough to notice them. We must esteem others as much as we do ourselves. We must see them as being more important than this, than things. We should never treat somebody poorly over a seat in the ball game or a parking place, but we'll do it inadvertently if we don't renew our minds and exercise our awareness of them. That's why walking in love requires us to cultivate our consciousness of the impact our words and actions have on the people around us. If we hurt someone's feelings because we spoke harshly to them or didn't speak to them at all, we can't excuse ourselves by saying, hey, I didn't even realize I offended them or I was thinking about something else and didn't notice they were standing there. That won't fly because if we're walking in love, we won't be that self-absorbed. We'll see the pain flash across the person's face when we're abrupt with them. We'll consider them more important than our own thoughts and acknowledge them when we walk by. Lord, give us a heightened awareness of others that keeps us from carelessly neglecting them. It ensures us we do our neighborly duty and no harm. Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Thank you so much for coming in here. I was long-winded this morning. Experience truth in my ignorances. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are our great God. You are in heaven, our daddy, our father God who art in the heavens. Holy, holy, holy is your name, Lord God. Highest heavens. We thank you, Lord God, that your will is being done here on earth as it is in heaven. You give us today our daily bread. And forgive us for our wrongs as we forgive those who are wrong against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now remember, folks, a neighbor is there to help you get out the, the hatred that, or the anger 
that we're fighting with. We ask God to purify us. God, I want to get closer to you. Okay, the Lord brings our irritable neighbor to us. And then we get more irritable, right? We have a choice. The neighbor has given us the opportunity to have a choice. I know it's tough. It's one of the hardest things I did. Bite my lip. And thank God for the neighbor that was parking in my parking space. <laughs> and then it got worse. I had to wait till the neighbor comes home so I can get my car in my parking space and not block them in because she was a single mother and a kid there. And uh, me and my wife, thank God my wife didn't add to my telling me, tell them this, tell them that. She just stayed away from it. I said, well, I, you know, she, she practiced thanking God for the person for two years we went through that and finally you know i said well the justice is that canopy shouldn't be facing my driveway where she can't get in there trying to protect her mercedes bands uh, so i asked finally got the courage to ask them to take that canopy off and not to use my driveway to put their car in there i wanted to be christian like it got so out of hand that when the, when the young boy grew up he wanted to park his car part of my space and I couldn't even get my car in so we Christians learned I need to learn to do it in love and one of the hardest things for me to do but it's where I'm working on it too I love you God bless you give them heaven let's pray let's not pray that we become so holy we get so many tests <laughs> around us huh? let's enjoy today and let's just say God I just want to be happy with you Lord, I just want to be rejoicing with you today amongst all these situations around me. Let it be, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.